What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to a little bit of an extra credit, bro meets world. Um, you guys, as many of you know, we had the very great opportunity and uh, time of our lives being able to join the Pod Meets World family. Um, what and- C just saying is that my fucking dreams came true when I got to interview the cast of Boy Meets World with my best friend from high school. So yeah, it's a pretty big deal. And we were featured on their latest episode. We did a season one recap with them. And it was, guys, I, the entire time, I'm just pinching myself at the opportunity. So um, definitely, if you have time, go and check out their newest episode of Pod meets world featuring us yes thank you guys so much uh we think that you're going to enjoy it you think you're going to enjoy the questions that we asked um please give us your feedback we're really excited um for all of our longtime listeners this is a dream come true for all of us so thank you so much for the two bros here at bro meets world don't forget to check out their new episode and also our new episode coming right now when this boy meets world what up bros <laughs> Welcome. What was that? No, let's 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 talk about that. What was the word? Um, that was soul siege. Sorry, <laughs> oh, I'm feeling a little. Okay, let you go. Be soulful. Welcome to Bra Meets World. I am Bra Meets World. I'm Siege. Tony Curtis. Um. I, y'all, we are on a struggle bus. I'm letting that be clear right now because I have missed cues, we'll, but we'll get it together. Either way, welcome to episode 122. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, we should probably say that we're both hungover for various reasons. <laughs> Just throwing that out there if there's any, <laughs> if you guys notice anything throughout the episode. But honestly, as usual, all right, so speaking of episode, I can't wait to talk about this episode because I have many of thoughts. Yeah, yo, this episode is like the most wild thing that I was that they've tried to get away with so far on this show. And that, I can't thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. But before before we get into that, we have a very special guest, someone who is here to talk about all things Truman. Uh, welcome back to the show, Lordy. Oh hi! Oh, oh hi! No, we're back oh, in the <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, obviously, so excited to be back. I missed you guys. We have missed having you on, having your insight, um, and we're very excited to have you on this episode in particular. I remember seeing you at Siege's engagement party Mm -hmm. months ago, and I told you about this episode, and you were like, bring me on for this one. So (laughs) I'm really excited to have you on. Oh, no. I I did my homework. I showed prepared. I watched the Truman Show last night also. Oh, you you went the extra mile. Oh, yeah. I don't fuck around on this i was like okay if we're, if we're talking about a parody i gotta go watch the original too that's so, so that's so interesting because i wanted to ask every like for the group like what our history was with the truman show mm-hmm. because i remember seeing that movie and it was one of those things that you know before the internet i would fall in love with content and think that i was the only one who knew about it you know mm-hmm. what i mean like ah. the truman show was one of those things that i was like oh i love this movie but i don't really hear other people talking about it and it's since grown into a cult classic so i'm interested to know like uh lordy were you did you see it in theaters did you see it on did you rent it like how did you get introduced to it i know i saw it when it came out i don't think i saw it in theaters because i would have been nine when it came out so I mean, it's, <laughs> and the thing is like 
But my parents you could have been that person. I know you well enough where you absolutely could be a nine-year-old who's like, one ticket to Truman Show, please. No, but you're saying, but like, it's 100% true. Like, that I was me. When the, um, uh, fuck, there was a movie that came out about the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's like it was 13 <laughs> days, which my parents went to go take me as a kid. And I, I was like in love with this movie. I don't know anything the Cuban Missile Crisis. But like, oh my God, this is so fascinating. And Kevin Costner's Boston accent is atrocious. But so I very well could have seen this in the theaters. I'm pretty sure we rented it. Um, but I definitely saw it around the time that it came out. And it's like, I think I was just too young to fully get it. Yeah. Like it's 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 an interesting movie. And I'm I'm really glad I went back to rewatch it because it's just it's odd. It's really good and like way ahead of its time, but also totally. like structurally very odd. I don't know. I speak about uh, you. I was going to say, I had, I don't remember if I saw it in theaters or not, but I definitely had it on uh, VHS. And I loved this. I had loved this movie growing up. Like this, but like, it's crazy. It's like, like, you know, like you've heard of like the Truman Show effect. I never was like that person where I was like, oh, I'm on a TV show now. Like I just loved the concept as someone who watched television all the time, the idea of like people becoming obsessed with a TV character and like that TV character not knowing and not like understanding. And I think maybe this is where something uh, really tied into me. It was like, you know that something's wrong about your reality, but no one acknowledges it. And you know that they know. Like that's what it was like for yeah. me. Like, I don't know, maybe it was like some kind of like closeted gay thing, but it was just like, literally there was an awareness of like, no, you all are aware of something that you're not telling me. And like, it, it's like that, that kind of like awareness, but not knowing what it is. I really, really was attracted to it as a kid. And then also, I think this is like right after Jim Carrey had done like, the mask in Ace yeah. Ventura. Okay, so that's what I was gonna say was that was I was a, a massive Jim Carrey fan as a kid. And so I was the person being like, one ticket to the Truman Show, please, <laughs> at the eight or nine years old. Because you're right, like this was this kid's career. It was the math, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, Ace Ventura. This is fresh after Liar Liar, which was like yes. such uh. a huge movie at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I went to go see this and I loved that it was like, oh, we're going to play with the rules of television in real life. Like that whole thing of just being like, wait, you're doing an ad read right now, aren't you? Like that whole thing, like things coming out of the sky. I just was fascinated by the whole thing. The thing I'm so interested in is why this movie for this episode of this show? What made it so that this was the piece? Okay, because they've already done a parody episode. We've done the Scream episode, which is, a notorious, like one of the best parody episodes of television, in my opinion. But this feels like they were trying to do that and it just got really jumped the sharky for me personally. It's so, for those of you, we have jumped, speaking of jumping, we have gone so far. (laughs) Uh, Listeners, for those of you who don't know, we are talking about uh, season six, episode 10, which we will get into the tell me about later called and in case i don't see you and i um completely agree with you t like i watched this and what's interesting to me is i was like if you did not watch the truman show does this episode make sense at all the thing about and then there was sean is you didn't have to watch scream to understand like and like it helped 
but like it made narrative sense and you're like oh this is like fun and then they also like gave us all a it's a it's all a dream aspect of it so yeah you got to have some fun but then you also were like in the real world at the end it was like oh everything that we did was like an homage but like it's also a fever dream this episode you're like so we're all just gonna like he just built a brick wall outside <laughs> like outside of his front door no tunes. yeah the looney it's tunes full perfect. looney tunes yeah the brick wall the special effects all of it and all of it at the cost of like exploiting Rachel's trauma for the entertainment of others. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, I feel, I truly feel this watching this episode. I was like, wow, Rachel is the most like offensive character in this entire show because all they do is exploit her for sex and trauma and entertainment for men. Like, that's her entire purpose on this show. And okay, I okay, really okay. haven't seen them go. I, I know we're getting too far into it. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I feel like I feel like we should just go ahead and do the tell me about it. So, mm -hmm. T, do you have a tell me about it? I, I do. I do. I do. All right. Tell us about it. No, really, tell me how Eric filmed Rachel without her consent and played on her trauma with special effects. Woo! And we got some tune. I love it. There we go. <laughs> Everyone, this is season six, episode 10, and in case I don't see ya. In an effort to become more popular, Eric creates a TV show similar to The Truman Show featuring his roommates, but it's Rachel who becomes the campus darling. Meanwhile, Corey and Sean expect special treatment from their friend, quote unquote, Mr. Feeney. That is the wiki summary. And I would like to say that it left a few things out. Um, <laughs> got some things wrong. Um, and I do want to start. All right. So really quickly, before I hand it over to Lordy, because I want to get your first reaction. But I, when I said, and in case I don't see ya, I forgot. For a long while after I saw this movie as a child, I would say, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I would say that, like, I can't, like, I have to ask my parents when I started and when I stopped saying that, because I would say it all the time. I just thought it was so cool. And I, I actually really, like, like, it's a great catchphrase, but it's also just, like, a really nice thing to say to someone. <laughs> Well, it's actually, I mean, it's probably going to be impossible for us to talk about the show without talking about The Truman Show in a lot of ways. Yeah. But in The Truman Show, it was like, hey, this is his catchphrase that he naturally does in real life. So to see Eric try to insert catchphrases and insert all of these things in, I can understand where it's coming from, from a, um, you know, a parody place. But in terms of logic, in terms of the truth of what these characters are outside of this episode, none of it rang true to me at all. So, Lord, you what are your immediate impressions? Mm -hmm. But also, had you seen this episode before? I, I definitely had seen this episode. Because um, I pretty much watched all of the latter seasons of Boy Meets World when they were airing. So, like, this is always, like, a fun, like, revisit when I go back to this. I know I saw this when it, when it came out. Because I vaguely remember, like, that image of Eric wearing like the beanie and doing the, the whole Ed Harris. Harris thing. Yeah. Yes. Like I mean, my first impression was how this is like a brilliant piece of parody, but the tone is completely off from the whole like rest of this show. Like this is Austin Powers level of parody in terms of it being like fourth wall breaking and like really heightened over the top. And in its specificity, it's really, really good at what it's parrying. And I literally watched them back to back. I watched the Truman show and then I immediately went and put on this episode. So I pulled all of the specific references but, like, 
my question for you guys was how far out of the tone of the whole rest of the show are we at this point because it's been so long since i've seen the rest of boy meets world that this felt like a singular fun piece of parody but that it would be a mess if you try to watch it in the whole rest of the run accurate oh good yes. okay <laughs> yes that, yes <laughs> it does not fit in with the rest of the series it's 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 one of those things where like it should have been a dream episode that's the only yeah. thing that could have made it forgivable in a lot of ways is if we like cut to eric who had fell asleep in like the student union couch and you know like came to and decided oh i'm just gonna go hang out with my friends instead of trying to be popular that would have been a good bow tie to this to make it like fit in but it's looney tunes and so i don't know yeah. siege did you feel that way so it's also funny like it's funny to me because i do 100 percent agree that it's looney tunes but also i think what you said is like if we just change it simply by having eric fall asleep watching the truman show or having just come home from watching the truman show this makes so much more sense and to me it's more forgivable i think what's really upsetting about this episode to me is it's kind of unforgivable yeah. like the mm -hmm. things that they do and the things that they like try to get like a pass for you're like no 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 let's run that back you know what i mean like it's like and like i'll say like they even try to like make eric innocent in the whole recording of rachel he's like no they came to see me and it's like even if even if that was the case let's assume that you were that naive and thought that that was the case you are aware that she's in a towel like like if like like that, that like just on that alone you yourself who has a camera on you like if someone were to walk behind me right now in just a towel I would be aware that I'm recording, <laughs> even if they weren't. You know, not I mean? even recording, broadcasting live broadcasting onto live. Like, a, a television channel that anyone can tune into. Yeah, and even if he was unaware, he becomes aware like halfway through and continues yes. and, and doubles down. Going. Yeah, and he doubles down on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> should we do the uh, roll call? Roll call. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say we want to do roll call because like we open up with uh, Eric, I wanna talk about Eric specifically in this episode. Yeah. Because I feel like this is the sharpest, and I don't know when they recorded it. I feel like this is the sharpest, most obvious pivot of the Eric of earlier seasons to the Eric we get moving forward. 100%. It is so drastically different from the Eric I'm used to seeing like, and this is nothing against Wilfred L, but like the moment the episode started, I was like, who is this guy? Like, yes, it's like, he's like, you haven't been watching Lordy, but like mm -hmm. it is, he's older in some way. His hair is, his hair and makeup's different. Like he, he has facial a, hair. His, he's a different person than the Eric we've come to know. And I was just like caught off guard. I like had to check. I was like, how long has it been since I watched the last episode for Eric to look this different? And then for him to start to behave this way, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but this is, this is the pivot from like the Eric that was just kind of like goofy to the Eric that is just like slapstick comedy hijinks. It, yeah. 
very late stage sitcom. Like that's the big takeaway I had from it. It's like late stage the- sitcom. Yeah. I love that like, expression. Yes. Everyone felt a little bit in the self-parody space all the way through. And again, this is my memories of uh, 20 years ago, 25 years ago when I originally watched it. But like all the characters felt like the cliches of themselves that I like vaguely remember and not necessarily like fully fleshed characters. Completely that's agree. A, that's a that's a, such a great perception because I felt that way with Feeney. I felt that way with Topanga. Mm-hmm. I felt that way oh with Alan. Yeah. Like so many of them were just acting like they're what they think their characters would act like versus being present in the moment. And it, it might just be that the script just didn't allow for any truth with any of these characters because it truly we have seen both Eric and Corey take advantage of people throughout this entire season and every episode they come to a learning moment and then every episode they keep doing it so it's so hard to like give truth to these characters when it just feels repetitive in its storytelling I think it's not like a like a run through because yeah all of the acting like don't get me wrong the situations yes we've seen before but it just feels like everyone was like Everyone read the script and was like, oh, we're doing this again? Eh, all right, I know what to do here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it also just felt like they didn't, whoever wrote this episode didn't know the characters. It felt like, I don't I don't know who wrote it or what they've what else they've written. I'm sure we'll find out. Um, uh, Barry Safchik, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, but like, is Sean stupid or smart? Is Eric stupid or smart? These are questions we have been wondering this entire time. They've been playing Sean to be the straight man for the entire season. So what do you mean he negotiated his extension from three days to two days? That just doesn't make sense with the Sean that we know because he's not stupid anymore. That's been passed off to Eric, who is having a very real moment of being alone in college when we meet him that they could have approached from such a real space. You're in a new place. You don't have the friends you have in high school. You're feeling like, oh yeah, I just hang out with my same roommates over and over again. There's so much truth that they could have played into. But instead, he immediately pivots to the most ridiculous extreme version of what that internalized loneliness could feel like. And just, I I don't know, I'm very interested into the mechanics of how the show works. Like that was one of the things I kept like wondering was like, how is he doing this? Um, But yeah. It's funny, really quickly, going back to Roll Call. Roll Call, in the very first uh, episode, we get uh, Eric, and a new character called Louie, who is played Louis. by Sean Weiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sean Weiss is, of course, like, he's from Mighty Ducks. He's like a 90s uh, child actor. The, the most 90s guest star they could have put in this episode, they found. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, he, was in last, he was in another episode, too, that we did recently. Like, he's been kind of, like, coming in and out i think this is probably the last we see of him but like yeah he does a few episodes what i think thought was interesting is that louis just goes to him and goes look at them and then look at us and eric's just like i'm what are you talking about i'm minding my own business it's like <laughs> you know it's like I'm, I'm i'm studying which is what you're supposed to do in college and <laughs> he's like oh look at the populars versus us and i was like that's really insulting you don't know me you don't know my life like all of a sudden you just be like (laughs) also what's strange was this concept of popularity in college which is something that i felt like was a big motivating factor in like middle school and high school but when you're in college i didn't really think there was like 
popular cliques like that. At least they didn't seem yeah. that way at my college. I don't know. I didn't really feel like there was that. I mean, I was in engineering school, so no one was popular. <laughs> <laughs> but even amongst my class, like no one, it didn't feel like it was separated out in the cliques. Like everyone was actually like pretty chill with each other. Yeah, it's it's a, it does feel like a weirdly dated concept to put into a college environment. It's really, yeah. we've talked about this before with um, Boy Meets World and the fact that they seem to they seem to be like taking school from like an old time or like they they themselves misunderstand what level of education the kids are at because as you said it's like there's like cliques or being popular in college and you're like I don't like there's parties and you can be like upset that you're you're not invited to a party but then also there is later a party where they're like invite only but it's being thrown by the school. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a cool party. Like, no. I don't know anyone who was like, oh, yo, you get your ticket <laughs> to the school sanctioned mixer. Like, it's weird. <laughs> this whole thing happens where Louis gets to go to this party. Eric is feeling left out. And his immediate notion is, oh, I'm going to film myself for clout. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting forward thinking ahead of its time, ahead of its yeah. time thing. Like, I, I do think that there was something about the Truman Show, which, by the way, I don't know if this matters at all. The Truman Show came out in June and this episode aired in December. We're so far removed from this movie. It's wow. weird that they would parody it so far from the release. Actually, um, it sounds to me like someone someone watched it because like January is when they're start like all the writers that come back into the room that's that you're right so you're right. yeah everyone yeah. got back in they were in love with the movie it was something that everyone talked about and they were like oh we should do this and then they like wrote a script around the idea of the truman show but yeah, like from a production's perspective like that's actually about the fastest turnaround you could have gotten at the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like really Definitely. like yeah it's like oh like like within six months like that's actually pretty quick like yeah cj to your point what that tells me is like someone went to the movie came in the writers like oh my god we're doing a truman show parody and i'm gonna write it you're all gonna have to put up with me and, and to that point this seems like something that like the truman show a group of writers would have been like wow like this is it's playing on that hollywood thing it's playing on what it means to run a television show so it seems like something that a writer's room would respond very strongly to but to my point that I made earlier, the Truman Show wasn't the biggest hit of 1998. So it's just strange that they were like, oh, even though we're relating very closely to this, we're going to make this something that the Boy Meets World universe is going to relate to, which feels disconnected. When will you realize that that is what Hollywood is about? Like the yeah. number of things that oh, yeah. I now look and you're like, oh, this was for no one. This was not for the target audience. This was a group of men in a room circle jerking basically yeah. <laughs> they were like oh yes. we're so we're gonna write our own episode it's gonna be the greatest thing ever all of the writers will get it and it'll be really funny and maybe that's why the cast was just like oh uh, you know like, like like they're like really really you guys <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I feel like the truman show had like a little bit of like zeitgeist stay in the in 98 like i, I think it's one of those weird things like we still talk about now and i don't know if it's even because it's been revisited heavily it's more just like it was such a unique thing when it came out that i think people did like latch onto it and i feel like it was something you would just kind of keep referencing over and over again but that does a little just to change the fact that this was like super masturbatory and how it was approached yeah no i'm saying like i i agree with you i feel like every cinephile was really into mm -hmm. the Truman show when it came out i feel like this movie it had its audience and it's endured because as you said, it's ahead of its time. It talks about reality TV in a way that we didn't really understand. It talks about um, 
surveillance state and yes. control and like all of this other stuff. It's actually product placement, like and escaping, you know, the advertisers. Like it's actually a really thoughtful movie. It's just at to T's point, a very weird movie for them to adapt for this show and to do in this way. And it's very exploitative all around, it feels. You, you you made such a good point that like there was this zeitgeist of reality television like in its infancy. I think we had the real world and we didn't even have Survivor yet. Like we were so yeah. in its infancy. But the surveillance state's interesting because Truman Show and Enemy of the State both came out around the same time. So that was something that was kind of like in the zeitgeist as well. So it's interesting to take those concepts and play with them, but to do so at the expense of characters that we have relationships with, to do it, to play on the trauma of these characters for the entertainment of others with little consequences to the person who facilitated this is the main thing that I'm just like, did this need to happen in Boy Meets World? No, agreed. Like this would have been a great Simpsons episode. And for all I know, maybe yes. the Simpsons did this at some point. No, I'm sure they did. Simpsons did it. <laughs> yeah, but like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in this world, which is like, pretty grounded like it's it's sitcom heightened but it's not as we said earlier looney tunes heightened like where the fuck did he install that sprinkler thank you that's what i was thinking all of this must have taken so much money so much cooperation from a team of people that i was just like how you said you were unpopular but you have an entire group of people doing editing and special effects for you like what's up like you don't have any money yeah, where's and this like, coming from? How did you control all this? Like we were, we were joking before the yes. call about like, oh, things used to be hardwired because now everything's wireless. Well, it wasn't wireless in 1998. So how the fuck is he controlling this stuff? It's 2022, and I would have to do deep research to figure oh, out same. how to redo the same setup as he yeah. did controlling everything remotely from the student union. I would have the so many questions. Disposal? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? Yeah. He has a smart. He had a Google smart. <laughs> garbage disposal in 1998 <laughs> what are we doing this kid should be at mit like, like 100 it's, like, it's one of those things where it's like i love like i like uh, we're ragging on it and to just kind of like get back into the fun of it all with eric i do love the idiot savantness of eric and mm-hmm. and sean every once in a while where it's like yeah. they're really stupid but every once in a while they do something really smart and this is one of those things where it's like eric and all of his energy and all of his interest if he could just harness that would be ridiculously intelligent. But the thing is, they don't even really give him credit for that. Like, no. so it just feels hollow because it feels it feels very much like a, we just wanted to do this parody and we didn't want to give any weight behind it. And we didn't want to make it feel like it had any consequences. It's just like the most sitcom episode of sitcom episodes. And that makes me sad because... I feel like there was a way, as you said, T, to do this episode where we talk about isolation. We talk about exploiting yourself for attention, getting it, but people being caught in the crossfires of yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I really wanted. That's where I thought we were going to go with it, and even with Rachel. Because the moment Rachel finds out that she's being recorded, she, storm, she storms off. And I was like, oh we're going to have a conversation where she's like, this is unacceptable. You had me on screen in my towel without me knowing we, I am never talking to you again. 
And instead, she just shows up again later in a towel. <laughs> yeah. She, um, there's one moment that I have to talk to you guys about, and it's really early on when Eric is giving instructions on how to eat soup on his on his live stream and he's excited you know for the whole thing jack comes in and starts yelling at him and eric's like no 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 this is like they're watching this is like such a big deal and he gives eric a hug and then from the student union we hear louis go i told you they were gay and then a friend slips him ten dollars as if they had a bet riding on it so Everyone on this show is aware of the gay context between Jack and Eric. We can agree. Is that what happened? Absolutely. Like, thank you so much for calling it out. Because the moment that happened, I was like, oh, so it's an, it, like, it's an awareness. Like, everyone always like, oh, you're reading too much into it or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. For, and also, I want to make it very clear, they also don't deny it. Like, that's one of those oh. things that, like, it always is interesting to me about this show. Because it's very clear that Jack and Eric have a dynamic. They are really close. And, of course, you know, if they want to say, history will say they were roommates. You know, like, that's, that's <laughs> how it is. But, like, in real-world situations, there would be something there. There would be some kind of, like, Jack goes to Eric's house for the holidays <laughs> and he, you know, yeah. like it's a, it's, it's a dynamic. It's a relationship. I thought that them like, Oh, I told you they were gay. It's weird. Cause it's like the very first time I think we've ever acknowledged anyone being gay. Like they're like, yeah. like just saying the word gay. I think this is the very first time because no, no, no. Had... Frankie said gay before. Like in Has terms of just gay? yeah, Frankie was like, "What are you saying? I'm gay." Yeah, you remember but, like, when he used to but, do that in the but beginning. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's, what I'm saying is previously in all the other there have been plenty of like allusions to same sex couples or like oh, yeah. someone being uh, non-binary. Like there's always been that hinted in the show, but this was the most direct I've ever heard someone say mm. that person is gay. Like mm. usually it's like a look. Usually, yeah. Uh, like you know what? Usually, it's like a look, or it's like a someone will say, "I miss." You remember? It's like uh, the guy who when when Corey, Corey found that Topanga. video of Topanga and Sean kissing, and that guy was like Fred, and he just kind of looks at Corey. Exactly. Like yeah. that's the thing. It's like it's always alluded to. This is the very first time I remember them saying this person is gay, which is weird because I think in any other episode with Boy Meets World, you would have just had someone like look. And be like ten dollars. You know what I mean? Like, there's a way yeah. to do that where it's just mm -hmm. like everyone knows what like is like. Oh yeah, I called it, and it's it's the same way. So it's just weird that they chose this moment of all moments and this episode of all episodes to be like, oh yeah, they're gay. It's almost like they could get away with actually saying the word gay because it was the punchline of a joke. They're like, well, they're clearly not. Right? They're clearly not. So it's okay. We could say it. One thing I found really interesting about this whole thing is to your point, Siege, they never like change the narrative of it. Like they, they throw it out there. But even this whole idea that like the actions Eric took drove Rachel and Jack to be closer, which is what Jack brags about at the end of the episode didn't even turn out to be true they're left with each other still oh you know what i mean like they're they're destined to be a couple in ways that the show just does not want to acknowledge i've been listening to the 
Pot Meets World uh, podcast with the original cast members. And it's really interesting to hear them like talk about everyone in the cast and how things go. And hearing that Matthew Lawrence was just like brought on by a studio head, part of me is like, is this the writers just like feeling like he's too pretty and like they want to like put him in this situation? You know what I mean? Well, you like- <laughs> bring up a great choice, a great uh, perspective that it doesn't feel like the show knows what to do with him. They yeah. set it up as if he yeah. was going to build this brotherhood with Sean and they abandoned it. Then they just threw him in there as Eric's sh- version of Sean. Um, but then they just kind of have them in their own world. He's not interacting with any of the other characters. He's really just kind of separate in their own spinoff show, it seems like. So it doesn't feel like they know what the f- to even do with this character. He's just eye candy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, yeah. because he's eye candy, it feels like it feels like they have two eye candies for Eric and that's what I'm saying it's like it feels like uh, like uh, that's what I was going to say Lordy what is your remembrance of the dynamic between Jack and Eric and what did you think about like the show being like you know oh they're gay and then like kind of soft shooing it you know I don't I don't remember too much about their dynamic I mean I remember them like both fighting over Rachel and then, I don't know if we're, we're going to spoilers or not, but I'm pretty sure that Jack ends up with Rachel in the end, right? I mean, More Siege doesn't know yet, but... Okay. You I, know I know. That's what I seem to recall about it, because obviously, like, you know, it, she can't end up with the funny character. She has to end up with the hot character, obviously. Ooh, interesting. Um, are we but, all pretending that Will Friedle is not attractive? Or is the oh no, whole the world is, pretending that he's he not an attractive man, like a conventionally attractive man? No, he totally is. Yeah, I, I, I flagged that line as well, just because like I'm always like on the hunt for anything of this era, because it was it's just everything of this era was so homophobic all the time. And this is one of those weird ones. Where I'm like, it's kind, it kind of is, but it's kind of not. It's more just this weird blip in an episode that felt unnecessary boy meets world is very notorious specifically when it comes to queerness where it's always like it's like acknowledges it but it doesn't necessarily judge it no it feels like a very 90s like almost like the colorblind perspective (laughs) of people of color that kind of same thing for queer people of just like you know a very don't ask don't tell type Mm -hmm. of mindset around this kind of storytelling. Don't yeah. ask, don't tell is very, that's a good way of putting it. I was thinking you were like it. colorblind. I was like, that doesn't work for the rainbow coalition. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not the butt of the joke. Like being gay is not the joke. It's like, oh my God, isn't that so funny that they're gay? Like, oh my God, isn't that so gross that they could be gay? It's just like, it's just thrown in there just like as a beat more than anything else. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a comedy beat. And that's and just like about I, it. It has no real significance in any sort of That's way. the history also, of Boy Meets World and queerness. It also yeah. feels like a little meta. You know what I mean? Like, it mm. felt like mm-hmm. there were, like, a few things, like, the com- the writers were, like, they're putting in some kind of, like, oh, yeah, we understand that the audience is, um, of our show, has these comments. You know what I mean? You know what's so funny? It feels like this show really wants to be this meta, almost kind of community type of, a community that's sitcom type yeah. of approach to comedy. And it feels like 
it's like that scream effect happened while the show was already established. So they weren't able to bring it in in the beginning and they're kind of trying to like fill it in towards the, the later half of the series. But I wonder if this sitcom started in 1998 versus 1993, where would there have been more of this kind of ultra meta commenting on the structure of sitcoms, you know, kid gets acquainted with the universe. Would, would there have been more of that to the point where this episode wouldn't have been such a, what the hell is this? Um, Cause it feels like the writers and the cast are really having a lot of fun with this. Will Fredette looks like he's having the time of his life with this whole, with this whole storyline, even though it doesn't mm -hmm. really work. So I'm just, it's, it's one of those things I can tell that they want to have more fun with and play with, but it doesn't fit the tone of the show that's been established so far. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, like when you're talking about if it had come out in 1988, would it be more self-aware? I'm thinking of like Malcolm in the Middle, for example, yeah, which yeah. like played a little bit more into that idea of like, oh, we're gonna be a little more meta about this. We're gonna comment on like the the tropes of sitcoms. We're gonna break them down in as many ways as possible. And yeah, I was I was, you know, TC, you're kind of talking about how like they're trying to bring in more of this here. Like, did this episode feel like it was trying extra hard to be meta? Maybe it kind of going with the tone of the Truman Show, or has this been like something they've been sprinkling along all the way, and this was just like a really high point, high. Well, thing, I mean, like, I would say like, they far. they they are meta plenty of times. Mm -hmm. Like there is like um in the earlier season, there's like a joke. Oh, it's it's in an episode called Model Family. And they're talking about TV shows and TV mm -hmm. families. And there's literally like Ben says something along the lines of, well, it's a lot easier to say the right things when you have a room full of writers telling you what to say perfectly. And then Feeney says to him, I wouldn't know. And, you know, it's <laughs> like this whole like, like the writers in the writers room are joking, you know, like, and mm -hmm. so it's, it's always had like self-aware moments. And if anyone was going to be like the most self-aware, it would be Eric, right. you know? But the thing is, this isn't Eric being like, I'm on a TV show. This is Eric saying, I wanted to use this platform to make myself more popular and to give myself an audience. So I had real world reasons for doing this. Then out of nowhere... I realize that Rachel's the actual draw and I decide to control her. He literally yeah. goes, she's like my yeah. daughter. I created you. It's so and weird. It's it's a weird pivot. So creepy. Weird. If it's, you didn't watch Truman Show, you don't get that reference and it just comes off as incredibly creepy. Even when it's Ed Helms doing it in Truman Show, the whole thing is like, this is- Jim Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Why did I say Ed Helms? I don't know. But uh, thank you. <laughs> now that I want to see. But anyway, um, Ed Harris doing it in the Truman Show. It's about this is a dude with a god complex. It is. It's fucked up. It's creepy. It's controlling. And there are consequences to it. You know what I mean? It's just like this is like there's like a struggle between um, creator and creation. Like, there's, like, a lot going on there. And then this, there isn't. There's just exploitation. Yeah. And I think that that's what's bothering me. It's, like, it's pure exploitation. It, everything about it's, it. It also just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Because what we come to find out is that a large group of men have gathered in the student union to watch the show, which... As we've seen, they're able to pick it up in their apartment. There's no reason for them to come to the student union to even <laughs> watch this. Um, 
they're watching hours and hours of Eric do bullshit on the off chance that Rachel might walk by the camera. And I'm just like, is there nothing else on television for these horny kids to watch? MTV is showing videos nonstop of people dancing half naked. Why are you watching this? It's wait, like, wait, I know wait. it's pre-internet porn, but like, it's still just one of those things where I'm just like, if you want to get off, if you want to see attractive women, there's other ways to do it than watching this specific show in a public place with a bunch of men. It just didn't feel... My I only argument is going to be the popularity of amateur porn. <laughs> like, like, I think there is something like we are talking about a world where Pam and Tommy sex tape has just come out and it's like the biggest thing. There mm. is something about like, oh, these are real people. And that's kind of like what we're entering into. Like we live in a world now where everyone, we like see everything about everyone's life all the time. Yeah. And remember at this point in time, Everything that you see on TV is scripted. Everything that you see on TV is controlled with the exception of like, and I mean like even including the real world. So this real, like the Truman Show and even like say this, it really is picking up on the 90s kind of desire to get back to something more real and and like that whole reality TV, CNN, 24-hour news. It's like, we're really starting to enter that phase. Yeah. So I get that. And I can see how, if it because it's brand new, I can see people coming together, watching it. It's creepy, but I can yeah. see it. Um, and that's my only thing. It's like, I always do try to remember that the 90s specifically is a completely different world like we haven't even hit the matrix yet we're like not even into 1999 you know what i mean like there's a whole there's a like a tension in america and in the american audience that hasn't been released just yet and i can see that but i can't forgive the exploitation i know that's a a part of the Truman Show too. It's like you keep flashing all these people who are watching it. See, like the guy in his bathtub. You have like the two old ladies with their pillows, which they threw in at the end there. Which I was like, oh my god, this is very specific. I love that you did this. But in their endeavors to try and make it as like a direct parody as much as possible, you're right. They completely ignored the exploitation of it all. And like having just watched both of them, a big difference is you know, at the end of the Truman Show, Truman has his own agency, and he makes his whole thing is about re regaining his own agency and making a choice and like that never really happens for rachel like even her moment of triumph of like getting over the sink it's still jack and then eric who's now like turned like oh i'm gonna like help her now like they're encouraging her to do it so it's not even really her moment that moment is about eric getting a moment of redemption not about this character he's exploiting but they're getting her own agency and it, it's not even about it in my perspective it wasn't even about a moment of redemption for eric it was at a point where eric realized that where he saw rachel's journey as his own entertainment at first it was uh -huh. a tool to to get other people to like him but then he's like no i'm kind of into this show now i want to see where this character is going and it's like this isn't a character this is a person whose trauma you're playing onto so that you can see her have an evolution for your own entertainment. This has no long-term benefit for Rachel whatsoever. But the thing is, he did it like that. But like again, you guys, we got to get to the B storyline, and I will keep us moving. But I do, like here's the thing: I do want to talk about this because it's really important. Eric didn't do the garbage disposal thing as a hill for Rachel to climb and overcome. He did it 
as a gate to keep her inside. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. And that's what's interesting. For Eric to go, tell him why you won't do it, Rachel. And that means, oh, she confided in Eric at wow. some point in time. He knew and he was like, I'm going to yeah. use this to keep you inside, which I, I think is, again, it's, it's played for laughs, but it's also the moment where everyone in the audience is like, yo, that is fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. you knew this and you used it against her? Dude, we're here, we're watching this exploitatively and we're not as bad as you. <laughs> it, that's why, again, I think this episode only really works in the context of the Truman Show because in the Truman Show, right, the whole thing is like he watched his father drown and so he's like this crippling fear of water that he has to overcome to escape. And so by contrast, like, being afraid of a garbage disposal is like, a, you know, it's comedically set up like, oh, like, this is such a ridiculous thing to be traumatized of in comparison to what we're, we're drawing from. So like, in that contrast, okay, yeah, that's funny. But in its own, you're right. It's just like, this is just really dark. Like, why would you be exploiting this person? That's, also, that, I mean, who puts a fire escape through a small window on the other side of a sink? The fire <laughs> marshals need to come and check to make sure this is all legit because this seems like a terrible way to escape from a fire. Why would the fire escape not be on that back window? On the balcony. Where, like, it, makes, back window. it makes so much. Yeah, on the balcony. Why would it not be there? Like, it's crazy. No, you got to crawl through a little window. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Over the sink. You're right. That makes, like, fire marshals are shutting this entire thing down. <laughs> also, I did look. Is, the, is this the same exterior shot as, like, the Friends? Like, it just felt like when they do the exterior shot of oh, the yeah. apartment, I was like, this, this is not like a college exterior shot. Oh, thank you so much. I thought that same thing, because the entire time that we've been watching this show, we've been like, oh, wow, it feels like Eric, Jack, and Rachel are completely separate from the other cast. It feels like they're on a different part of campus, or they're, like, far. At one point, Sean lived in this apartment and was able to go to high school and now, like, the kids live in it and also go to college. So I'm trying to figure out where the location of this apartment is because when Rachel escapes, she is in the student union in a moment, in, like, what, three minutes' time, not even? Like, yeah. it, and I know he makes a joke, like, oh, you got here fast. But you I'm got like, here really where fast. <laughs> is this college that Sean was able to go to high school at that apartment and Rachel was able to get to the student union within minutes and it's somehow... They needed to say goodbye to their parents when they went to college. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so confused by this apartment. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because when they showed the exterior, I was like, this isn't really matching with the way they're using this space in the story. It is one of my favorite things. Again, like, you know, he's the same phrase, like, late era sitcom of just like, at a certain point, they just don't worry about geography anymore. My, oh, my, yeah. My favorite example, if you allow a tangent, is in Smallville, where it's like Metropolis supposed to be like three plus hours away. And by the end of the series, like, people are just like popping from their apartment in Smallville into Metropolis. Like all the time, a, a quick conversation <laughs> sort of thing. Like, oh, we just gave up on this. Okay, got it. They right. do it in Glee all the time. Like in Glee oh, in the later seasons, the a large part of the characters moved to New York. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in time, they just, they're home every weekend. You're like from New York, you flew right. this morning. <laughs> you went to LaGuardia this morning. You. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> or you, you drove eight hours to Ohio. Like, yeah. which is it? Dude, yeah. I kind of want to do a Glee podcast, if I'm being honest. Like, I kind of want to. I'm going to tell you right now. That's one of those shows where it's like, you episode one, scene episode one, one, you're like, does it hold up? We don't need it... to talk about this. If the answer is no. Oh, you think a Ryan Murphy show doesn't hold up? What? <laughs> no. Impossible. Okay. Oh um. So, do, does anyone else want to say anything else about Jack, Rachel, or Aaron? I again. Yeah, I, okay. I, go ahead. So oh, the one thing I do want to say that they never really kind of own up to is like this whole thing about exploiting Rachel without her consent, filming her without her consent, broadcasting her without her consent, using her with as entertainment without her consent. I mean, at the end, she has this somewhat redemptive moment where she just kind of kicks Eric's ass and people just kind of applaud and she seems, oh, okay, I'm fine with this. But like real talk, let me just say this. I went to away for Thanksgiving one time when I was in, co in college, I had a roommate. When I came back, my roommate had got a dog without my permission, a very big dog, and just started like making a mess of everything. I had to get out. I had to, I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to leave. If I had a roommate that filmed me without my consent, trapped me in my home, used my traumas to keep me in this prison of his own entertainment, I am not living with this person anymore. I'm not having a relationship with this person. I, I feel, I would feel like, tense being around this person but we're supposed to believe that they're just going to go on and have another adventure next week and that's kind of the problem is that they keep pushing this exploitation onto rachel or not pushing it but they just keep exploiting her without any long-term consequences and i'm like this poor character is literally just here for the rise and fall of these of these white men and i'm just like what's going on what is the where when is this going to have long-term effects and it's just kind of sad that it hasn't gotten there yet. There is literally a point where Rachel realizes she's being filmed. And they say, say hi, Louie. And she goes, she like bends over, yeah. touches her chest. And she's like, hi, Louie. And I was like, oh, so we have like a cam girl moment. And of course, Louie passes out. And it's like a whole thing. And I was like, you know what? That's her agency. That's her choice, whatever. But to have her then go on and date someone who she knows was watching her unexpectedly that's where i was like okay they just don't respect this character like i would have actually loved if they were like hey you know at the end of this oh uh i've gotten closer to rachel blah 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 and rachel's actually like, hey can you guys leave i have a date in general and it's like a really hot guy and they're like oh whatever like i would have loved that for her because it would have been very much like a she is taking her own agency but for it to be louis someone who we've seen watch her we've seen honestly like the sean weiss is doing a great job in his character but he's just been like an asshole the entire episode yeah so like i immediately was like what is going on there and what are the writers trying to say about rachel <laughs> Where they're like, yeah, she likes this type of guy. A moment of Rachel just saying to Louis in the hallway, okay, we're just going to do this to mess with them, would have just made it all make more sense. Right. But, you know, TC, to your point, if if they were, if there were consequences for this in the show, that would be the writer saying that there should be consequences to that kind of behavior in real life. And it took 
20 plus years for that even to like start to penetrate the culture of like oh there should be consequences yeah yeah that's true it's so funny to me because as you said actually it actually really ties into the b storyline so i'm happy to like kind of segue there but this idea of consequences there's so many times and we're going to get there with Corey and sean where they're like, like all i did was this really unreasonable thing and that was so long ago and you're like it was literally yesterday <laughs> yeah Sean and uh, like Corey's whole subplot in this was so high school it was such mm-hmm. a story that like doesn't make sense in this current show that we're in like it doesn't make sense anymore like, and, and I'm not saying it doesn't make sense for them to feel like that they could take advantage of a professor or something like that, but it's just that, like, they've learned, Corey's learned so many times to stop taking advantage of people. Like, it's a consistent theme that he learns pretty much since, what, the Topanga uh, cheating things in se- mid-season five. Like, this is an ongoing thing that he learns over and over and over again, but he's not learning. And I think that's the most frustrating thing. It's so funny because even in that season five episode, Kids Gets Acquainted with the Universe, where they're, like, doing this meta commentary about the show, the actor, Fred uh, Ben Sandwich, who's playing Cor- uh, Ben Savage or Corey, <laughs> He's like, are we doing this story again? How does my character learn lessons every week and not get any smarter? They pointed it out a year ago and they're still doing it. And I think that's the thing that's the most like, uh Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like my, like one of the moments that flagged for me was when the dad basically says like, hey, like you're, you're in college, but you still have a lot of growing up to do. And I was like, okay, I'm glad we boiled this down to like the most on the nose way possible to convey the lesson and yeah it, it did feel like okay sure that is universal truth universal true thing but like yeah to see to your point of like that's where you choose to show this lesson is like them exploiting feeny like again i haven't seen the show in 20 plus years and i imagine that this plot has to have been done before at some point right like in some level of them like conflating the relationship with feeny as a friendship and as a teacher and a mentor well, I mean, they took over his house as an Airbnb one time <laughs> without his consent. Entrepreneurs. Right? I mean, they were way ahead of the curve. So It's, it's interesting because I feel a little different about the storyline and I have more of a problem with the execution. The idea of, of Feeney early on, like they like school is very stressful. We all know that. And they're like, look, we're going to go to Feeney We'll bribe them if we have to, but we can't do all of this. We'll give you $100 right now. <laughs> yeah, like, like when John's like, I'll give you $100 right now. Like, just cuts to the chase. I can't do this. I'm stressed out. I get. And and for Feeney to say, you, you guys, I've known you for years. You don't have to do all of this. Just ask, which I thought was really important. He's like, just ask. And they're like, hey can we have more time? And he goes, I'll give you more time in the negotiation. It's fun, whatever. Then we find out they did good. And I was like, okay, so that's not the lesson. Topanga got a B. Again, that's what I'm expecting. And then they go up and they're like, hey, you know what? We didn't even do the paper that you asked. And we're going to ask you now for an extension. And Feeney being rightfully upset and hurt, be like, wait, so you didn't even, this time you didn't even try. You just mm-hmm. assumed I was going to. Oh, you did me this favor this one time, and I just assumed that I could take advantage of it moving forward. That is a conversation I would have loved to kind of actually spend time with, 
And instead, I feel like we fast track this. We don't yeah. really get Feeney kind of talking and being like, yo, that's kind of like messed up. Like they they just kind of show Feeney immediately shut down and yes. be like, yo, you both to, have S. To your point, this could have taken such a, a better turn to really focus in on what is the relationship that these boys have with Feeney? Like we took advantage of him, but like, did we hurt his feelings? Like there could have been something where like, they really appreciated this relationship. But the thing that is so frustrating and to, like the thing that I keep harking on is that even at the end of this episode, when they're apologizing for taking advantage of him, when he doesn't change their grades, they go back to just like not give, not apologize. They take their apology back. And so I'm like, what was the point of any of this? If they didn't have any art whatsoever. White boy alone. Logic. Like, like it literally is what yeah. I, oh, all right. as our resident white boy, Lordy, like, can you please explain it to us? <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. We we learned I learned a lesson because in the end, like it still worked out in my favor. And all of a sudden now, like, oh, it didn't. So I'm not gonna like actually keep this lesson in any sort of way because I didn't actually benefit from this. So I'm just gonna move on and not learn anything at all that i mean that's literally what happens it's like you know as, as soon as it doesn't work out the way they wanted it to they go right back to it and then that's mm -hmm. that's the final beat is like oh the, the the funny beat here is that i'm gonna take the waffle and then throw they it back toss the table. a waffle at mr feeney's face i know rude are you kidding me bro like come on he's done everything for you guys hilarious though like the fact <laughs> that i i will say this the fact that Bill Daniels at this point in time just takes the fork and knife, no plate. Yeah. And just is like, you know, like whatever. I'm so like... glad you said that because Bill Daniels was hilarious. Like they're all three of them have really actually great comedic timing, but Bill Daniels, especially in those brunch scenes were really funny. It yeah. feels like they really like, we've talked about like how the writing of this episode is, but I will say having watched it, having listened to the podcast and like all this context that I have of it, this did seem like Bill Daniels finally like just being comfortable in his character and comfortable with where he's at, where Feeney's at. And just like the fact that they threw the waffle back and he just like went with it. I was like, that is com comedy from Bill Daniels. We would not have gotten season one. Like, yeah. Yeah. Him go yeah, like I feel like they would a they wouldn't have put him in that situation. It would have been way more of like a Feeney is such a respectful role in the earlier seasons, which is why I think it's really important that Alan is like, yo, you don't talk to him that way. That's yeah, like, I did like, appreciate the parents like calling them out and just being like, yeah. no, like you don't hey, like we're familiar with him, but that is still a teacher. That is still someone you show respect to, no matter what the situation is. That's that not a I, lesson that you learned. It isn't. But I also love how, uh, Lordy, you said, which is really interesting. It's like, we were only going to learn the lesson if it benefited us. It didn't yeah. benefit us, so we didn't learn the lesson. <laughs> we're just going to go right back to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's ultimately just like a lack of accountability, right? It's like, oh, we were held accountable for something, and we made an amends. But, oh, you, you didn't just, like, completely reverse your stance because I apologized for it? What? That You're is, ridiculous. You're the enemy is, here. So telling, because I think that may be the definition of white boy logic. Like, I think it's like, it's really like you put it succinctly. It's like, I'm only going to learn the lesson if it benefits me. Oh, this yeah. didn't benefit me. Then why was I trying to learn a lesson? Yeah. <laughs> why do you think I keep making the same mistakes in life? <laughs>
<laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, that also explains why Corey just keeps going around in circles. Yeah. It stopped benefiting him after the episode ends. So he's like, this isn't something I have to keep holding on to. Um, I do have two things. One, I have a turned on by Alan moment. Alan was giving it to Ooh. me. In the kitchen. Alan was giving it to me in the mm. kitchen. I was like, I see what you're doing, Rusty. I'm here for it more of this guy like he like we have to admit amy and alan are a very attractive older couple like very attractive and i don't even think they're that old like in in terms of sitcom i think they're like what early 40s at this point but they look phenomenal like i think they look really great oh yeah if they came up to me and were like hey we saw you from across the bar and liked your vibe like yeah okay i'm going home with you do you think alan and amy do that I mean, I please let that be a subplot. I, I would <laughs> love for it to be true. I think that's definitely some wish fulfillment. Like, l- look at how like sexually conservative this whole show is. I think we can assume they don't do it, but in my head canon. Uh, right. Well, when when Amy's baby comes out black, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, that was the second thing that I wanted to say. So, Feeny, I like we get a moment of. Feeney in the kitchen with the Allens, and he's just there, like as a as their neighbor. Like he's just having a good time. They're chatting, which is like usually Feeney comes in and he like leaves. Like he has like something neighborly to say, and then he leaves, or like he's always standing to see him like sitting at the table. They're just all hanging out. I thought was like really cool, and it's really unique because you don't get that. Viewpoint. It showed that there was a friendship between Alan, Amy, and Feeney in a way that we haven't seen before. Because you're right. right. Every time he comes to the Matthews, it's always as a teacher. It's always as like, hey, I'm going to help you learn the lesson, even if it's not about school. This is the only reason why I'm over. But this was just like, hey, we're like talking baby names. We're shooting the shit. We're drinking coffee. It, it was nice to know that there was a relationship that didn't revolve around the kids. That existed. Now, that being said, he says, I've always liked the name George. It's dramatic for sheep herder or something like what does he say? I, I don't even remember. It was such oh, a throwaway yeah. joke. Here's the thing. My whole thing about it is that it's completely inaccurate. And this is what bothers me about the episode. Cause I felt like it was this joke told me everything I needed to know about whoever wrote this episode, which is that George is actually Greek. It's actually a Greek name and it means farmer. And again, like it's it's re- like it's close by. That's what I was like. Like I heard that joke. I looked it up, and I was like, okay, this told me what I needed to know. Whoever wrote this, they just wrote it out of nonsense. Didn't take a second to mm-hmm. actually think about what they were trying to say, and the fact that this is George Feeney who would absolutely know the true origins of his name. It makes you question if any of the things George has taught the kids is true. (laughs) Can we trust him as an educator? Is he seeing, (laughs) like, no, seriously, Feeney is, like, perpetuating fake news, and we need to get to the bottom of it. How did you get fake news into this? <laughs> hey, you know, I think if anything, this proves that Corey and Sean were right. They should not have trusted his perspective. Should not have trusted him. Yeah. And what's what's kind of a shame to your point, Siege, is this idea that for the first time, like this season, other than one throwaway line at the beginning of the season where they're talking about the baby's wallpaper, they're actually focusing in on the fact that Amy's pregnant. Like they're focusing in on the fact that like their family's expanding. Like they need to keep these side stories going to like for future events, but they're not really setting it up well. Like we, 
if you were only watching the season kind of like every other episode, you may have no idea that Amy's even pregnant. So it was just kind of a missed opportunity to kind of really talk to them about like, hey, you're over 40 and you're about to have a baby. What's this experience like for you? Like they could have just done so much more with it. Amy is pregnant. Morgan exists. And yes, we spend spend the entire time talking about like one of your kids is exploit, like literally running an illegal like cam show. And the other one, (laughs) the other one disrespecting senior citizens in your face. (laughs) And I like to me, that would have been a perfect time for them to be like, do we want to do another one of these? Yeah. Should we be doing another one of these? I don't know if we're good at it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if we're good at it. (laughs) We can't even keep track of our daughter. We have no idea where she is. (laughs) Wait, did we have a daughter? (laughs) Uh, Okay. Anything else? No, no, I, I really don't have much else to say. O- other than that, this episode was the episode that introduced me to Gouda cheese as a child. I never knew what Gouda cheese was until I was a kid because I grew up in the 90s and I had American cheese and bologna sandwiches because um, bologna was also a thing in the 90s as well. Um, but yeah, I got introduced to Gouda cheese and Teeny's right. It's one of the better cheeses. Oh, Gouda's amazing. Yeah. There are a few things to, to that point. One, I was like, where does Sean get this entitlement? With like, like yeah. Sean, like Sean got he Sean had I got money attitude, and I was like, "Yo, where did this come from?" Because he was like, "Yo, I only see two cheeses." Yeah, <laughs> where's that third cheese? What did I tell you about the Gouda? I thought that was very interesting and very like weird, out of character for Sean. Wait. But then also there are a few line readings that I just loved. One mm-hmm. is Sean being like. We're also sad that it didn't work out in our favor. Look, I'm sad, but I'm honest. And I yeah. was like, yo, you know, I, like, look, we tried, we tried to make a pass. It didn't work out. I'm sorry. I'm also sorry for me, but <laughs> I respected that. And then also at the end when I think it's Eric says, how do you live with yourself? And Jack says, I don't. I live with you. I was like, that's a fun line. That's a great line. And that's like very telling of their dynamic. Yeah, there was great comedy moments. And I I really do think that Ben and Ryder, their comic timing is at like an all-time high. Like they Mm -hmm. are just reading each other so well. They're playing off of each other really well. It's a shame they don't have better content to work with. But as actors, you could tell they're very matured in their craft compared to where they were in the earlier seasons. Yeah. So uh, to that point, do you guys have a bra moment? I feel like there's so many to choose from, but do you have a bra moment? Lordy. I already kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but it was the line from from Alan of like, you may be in college, but you still have so much growing up to do, which was for me, it felt so of that era. Like it, it made me go like, wait, th- like this feels very familiar was basically how the line felt like watching it. Of like, wait, was this just because I grew up on the show or all shows of this era? like that on the nose about their lessons, which were also like really at the end of the day, like not that important of lessons yeah. or like not that well executed lessons, but it just, it felt, it wasn't necessarily like a nostalgia. It was more just like, oh, this was, this whole era of television was just this. It made me feel like I was watching this or a home improvement or any of the shows at that time. Cause they were all. Yeah. It felt very TGIF. Thing. 
yeah. it did. Yeah, it felt very TGIF. I would, like, and it was it was fun to see that, but it also made me realize, oh, how far we've come in terms of TV. Like, we actually do things now, like subtext sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Not like I say all the time, but sometimes. Yeah, so that was my one bra moment. My bra moment is just the character Rachel in general. Like, honestly, and it's nothing like what I'm realizing from how they're writing Rachel is that this show has not shifted the way they've been writing women since the beginning. The only difference is instead of having a new character, a new girl introduced every week and just like using them for the story and then rotating to another girl, we're repeating back to Rachel week after week. So now that we're actually seeing the way they're writing her, like she is a girl of the week, just using her as a tool for the men. We're, we're seeing her like, honestly, being taken advantage of, being like abused in various ways. Like she is just like such a throwaway character in a way that's kind of offensive at this point. And so like just her entire, the way they're writing her, the way that I know Maitland Ward has thought back and wrote about her experiences on the show, mm -hmm. feeling like she was only there mm -hmm. as a tool um, to be exploited sexually. Like it all kind of rubs me the wrong way. So that's kind of my major bruh of, of this. Uh, Siege, what about you? I think you're so right. Like I was gonna say just like the recording of Rachel without her consent. Well, to be honest, like we talk a lot about Rachel, but like Jack as well, like the idea yeah that Eric would do this to the both of them and they didn't both like immediately move out and like just immediately be like no like this yeah. is a you've crossed the line and I don't like I don't know what you're gonna have to do to get back from this but I can tell you right now it's gonna take a lot like I feel like that without acknowledging that and just like oh no it was for laughs or oh no he didn't mean to do it I was like I'm not buying it like you broadcasted someone without their consent and that's a no-go so there's that but then when I really think about it I think you're right in the sense of they're treating Rachel like they would any other girl of the week but because we know her it feels more exploited it feels worse because we've gotten to know this character and we're like there is so much you could have done like Maitland Ward's funny there's more yeah. comedy you could have done. There's more jokes that her and Jack could have done as like background characters or to get back at um, Eric or whatever. They've shown and her then, to be really smart and she didn't, she like, she could have used her intelligence to outsmart Eric in that situation. Exactly. To your point, they could have shown Jack in the towel and still had the same story beat without it being exploitative to her. Like, there's, you're right. There's so many other ways they could have approached it. And instead, Knowing knowing what they chose to do, really, it's it's honestly I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of stuck with me. I'm like really just soured that they would do this to anyone. You know what I mean? Like it's just like it makes me like a little upset and a little disappointed in the writers' room and in the '90s that we would do this. <laughs> and it I'm makes like, doesn't it make you kind of view Eric as a character different too of what he's capable of when he's like it's scary like. He was scary in this episode. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like when when they were like, "Oh, he innocently do it." I was like, "No, nah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm like, I know what you're trying to do. I'm not buying it. I like, I get the sock puppet thing, but I'm gonna need more of this to redeem Eric." And I feel like, again, like just thinking about it, I was like, "I'm a child who watched a lot of '90s shows, and this just feels, even for the '90s, really bad." 
You know what I mean? And it just bro, felt really next week, it's going to be as if it never even fucking happened. <laughs> like, it's all going to be gravy next week, man. Like Next week, again, remember at the end of the episode, Rachel was dating one of the guys who has been watching her. Like... <laughs> They don't, they don't continue. They just, you could literally <laughs> skip this episode and nothing would change about your understanding of the show. Actually, I think mm -hmm. if you skip this episode, you would actually probably still like the show a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah, I think so. Uh, um, is there a Feeny lesson? Is there a lesson that anyone got out of this episode that's positive or that we should take with us? Like, there does seem to be an attempt at a through line. They were just talking, like, that's how I feel. Is, that's what I feel is going on in terms of um, things with Rachel. And then there is like a through line of like exploitation with Feeney, this idea of using Feeney and just assuming that he'd be able to uh, give them a break. So I thought that that was like the throwaway line attempt, but maybe- You I'm know wrong. what? If they had, if he's Feeney had scheduled reading on something that dealt with exploitation, that would have made this episode a lot better. You could tell they put some thought into it. The Cadbury Tales, I had to like Google it to remind myself, yeah. is about social class. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a book about social status and dealing with that, which doesn't fit into this episode. We deal with social status all the time on this show. Mm -hmm. They're not even trying to like link this up, bro. Like they're not even. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely feels like someone really wanted to do a Truman Show parody and then they had to figure out a B storyline. They're like, well, this will do. Because to your point, both Eric and Corey are exploiting their loved ones for their own personal gain. That is the the through line, but there's no lesson that they either, neither of them walk away with. So it's, I don't know that that's the lesson of the episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a lesson in this episode. <laughs> that you can take advantage of people and they'll forgive you. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, wow. was that not your guys' takeaway too, is that you can just do whatever you want and there are no consequences? Or... No, again, that is white boy logic. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. <laughs> no, I, like, I, 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 I approached like the, the Feeney's lesson from a slightly different way, which I was like, I was, because again, I, I watched the two back-to-backs. So I was really looking at this in terms of like, how does this work as a parody? And like, mm. I think this is a lesson in both like what makes parody really good and also really bad, which is like yeah. you, specificity and tone are like the key to parody. And I think it, it hits the specificity, but it misses the tone wildly. Um, uh, Lordy, what, what oh. grade would you give this episode? <laughs> Wait, um, go ahead, go ahead. Oh. I'll probably give it like a, like a C, I think. I, mm -hmm. I liked... I like the parody of it, but the whole thing just feels really, really messy. So um, what grade gonna, would you give this? I'm going to give this episode a C. Like, I feel like it's really, it has its funny moments. It's, um, the two storylines do have an arc. I don't like the arc, but they do have an arc. So yeah. I'll give it that. That's, that's, that's thing. Um, I, I give this episode a D. Um, oh, okay. I, you know what? Honestly, and here, let me explain why. Because I also enjoyed the parody. I love the Truman Show stuff. Like again, I love the show. I I thought Will Friedle was amazing in this episode in terms of his comedic performance. Um, but I feel like watching this episode changes the way I view these characters in such a significant way that these writers will let these kids get away with anything. 
anything and without overall consequences to the point where I'm just like, oh, this is kind of damaging to show children in a way. Like I wouldn't want to show kids Eric filming people without their consent and really facing no long-term consequences. Like it's kind of a damaging thing. And I also stand true to the fact that if you didn't watch this episode, you would miss nothing in terms of character development, in terms of story, in terms of anything. Like it, I think this episode hurts the show more than it helps it. And so because of that, I give it a D. And I also feel like what's very frustrating about Boy Meets World is that there is no definitive jump the shark moment. They have these little blips of jump the shark and then they'll reel it in. And like in a few episodes, we'll get some storyline that's pretty decent. And then it'll go into like these dips. And so that's what's the most frustrating is that there's no point where I'm just like cutting off the show and being like, no, from here on out, the show is trash. But we're like slowly descending into this, this phase of the show where it feels like people aren't putting in the care and thought and intention into the episodes that we're so used to and that we've come to love about the show. So not the exactly a jump the shark moment, but definitely a moment that kind of marks for me that like, hey, this show going forward is going to be kind of a crapshoot. You're actually, you convinced me and I'm going to take it, I'm going to give it a C minus. Like my whole thing is like, I felt like I was being forgiving when I gave it a C, but I was like, ah, how bad is it? But I think you're absolutely right to where at this point in time, in this second, it actually damaged the show's reputation in my mind mm -hmm. like i thought i went into this being like oh i love the truman show and this will be fine and i kept looking for like i kept looking for the lesson the relief to be like oh, okay this was all worth it and it never gave it to me and if anything we all have agreed you can skip this episode and it may be better for you to skip this episode if you like the show um, and if and... you've never seen the Truman Show, 100% skip it. Oh, There's no reason. No There's point. no reason to watch no That was the other thing I was going to say, which is that it also only works if you've seen the Truman Show. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's like an important part of Paradise. Right. Like it also kind of has to stand on its own, and I don't think this does at all. And then there was Sean stand on its own completely. You can watch that without even seeing the series and enjoy the episode because it's a parody of a genre, not of a specific movie. Yeah. This is so specific in its parody to something of that Hates it so bad as well and well again what bothers me what usually bothers me is like and and then there was sean they wanted to do a parody and they committed the entire episode that is what this was about you know yeah in and in case i don't see ya we have a b storyline and you're like well then why do we need to do that if we're doing this like that doesn't make sense you know what i mean it's like commit to it give me all you got or don't give me any, anything at all yeah yeah i agree all right lordy <laughs> what do yeah. you have for homework uh all right so i have uh two things i'll do the obligatory semi-self-promotional <laughs> plug which is before this call we were talking a little bit about uh wakanda forever which just came out and so the show i produced x-ray vision uh, we just did a whole episode all about it, and I said probably the coolest part is we interviewed um, writer Eve L. Ewing, who did like one of the like the iconic run on Ironheart, and was just such a cool oh, wow. person and like such a cool interview. Um, so I'll say like that's something you won't get other places. And really quickly, really yeah. quickly, like tell our listeners what pot like I don't think you did this last time you were on, so you got to tell. Not? Was it was it pre X Ray maybe even? I think it was. Oh my god, way back in the day um, when I was still 
making smoothies for Larry David. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the show I produce is called Extra Vision, and it's a deep dive into all things like nerdy and pop culture. So Marvel, Star Wars, comics, fantasy, sci-fi, all these things that I love anyways. Um, and so we've been covering recently, like a lot of the TV that's coming out, Andor, which you guys are watching, is actually really great. Like it's probably the most radical thing Star Wars has ever put out. Like it's not, it's not what you expect from Star Wars. It's like, hey, like fascism is just like a like ongoing bureaucratic like machine that just tears everyone apart. Again, not what you would expect at all from from Star Wars. Um, so go check out that show. And then also, yeah, we we've been talking about it. We have an interview with Tony Gilroy, the screenwriter of that show, the creator, coming out soon. I'm not sure when this is gonna air. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fun show, and we get to talk about all kinds of nerdy stuff. I'm not on it. I'm not a host. I just produce it. I do all the behind the scenes things, except for the occasional cameo. Um, so that's the self promotional thing. And then in terms of like anything else, I watched recently. I just watched Do Revenge on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. Is it worth it? Don't get no spoilers. It is worth it. It's fun. It's very fun. Um, it's got a great cast. It's got an awesome soundtrack. Like really strong vibes. Um, I won't say anything else other than once you've seen it, I, I have many things I want to talk about it okay. with you. So so excited. Uh, okay. Um, my homework. Uh, yeah, I'll just throw it out there real fast. I, throughout the last few weeks, got really into the television show Chucky. Um, and I don't know if either of you guys have seen it. I have it is such... I, I don't want to overhype this, but in terms of <laughs> rebooting old like IP IPs, I think they have done such a fantastic job. I'm only on season one, so I don't know where this goes. But in terms of making him relevant for a new generation, in terms of doing something different with the character, where like the whole series as a as a movie series really had a jump the shark moment um, after Bride of Chucky, so it, it's just like for them to just kind of like uh update it, it so basically it, it, and i i don't want to give too much away but instead of chucky trying to take over the soul of another person which has just been every movie of it chucky is being is given to this kid who's in high school he's being bullied he's figuring out his sexuality he ends up having a relationship with another kid uh, uh kid in his class um but it's a queer relationship that chucky sees this kid and wants to like help him he's like dude you should murder these people who are bothering you like i actually have a a lgbtq kid which is true from seed of chucky he's like dude like i'm empathetic towards you and i want to help you solve these problems you should be a murderer and like it's such an interesting take on it of him trying to guide this kid who's bullied for being unpopular for being gay whatever and like trying to like tap into that incelness in him to fuel violence and have Chucky be the mastermind behind it. And they they just do some really interesting stuff. And the fact that, again, a queer character is at the center of this, we see him have a very sweet love story with the boy in his class. Like, it's just a very interesting take on the show that I had no expectations for. I was like, oh, this is going to be silly. Like, I've seen what they've done with this franchise recently. It's kind of off the wall. But the show stands up. And so, like, as a horror fan, I was pleasantly surprised. And I think based on the content of it, that you guys should check it out. I've heard good things. Yeah, I haven't hit it yet, but I've heard See, really you, you look in awe. <laughs> <laughs> well, like if you would have told me in the 90s that Chucky would grow up to be gay ally. <laughs> like Totally. <laughs> um, like, uh, so the thing is, I don't know if I've told you guys this. 
I was terrified, traumatized, ter- like by Chucky when I was younger. I like I no, but I don't think you guys understand. <laughs> I to like yeah. an unhealthy age. I was terrified that Chucky would come kill me in the bathroom. Like oh I literally, bathroom. yes. Like, I don't know why. In me the bathroom, too. But like I, I did. Like I, I, I'm uncomfortable telling what age. But like until like a really, really mature age, I was terrified of any public bathroom that Chucky would just like come and get me. So as even while you were talking about it, a part of me is just like. I was like, "Ooh, this sounds interesting." And my mind's like, "Look, we can't do it." I'm sorry. Like, like, uh, like I like, I love it. I love this for that character. I don't know if I can do it because Chucky was just so traumatizing to me as a kid. Uh, and I had a just like me doll. Like I had one oh, like wow. it. And I, re- really? I remember. I don't have a lot of like childhood memories, but I remember taking that doll and throwing it into the dumpster. <laughs> As a kid, because wow. I saw that movie and I was like, "Hi, think so. Fuck not." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and now that doll's gonna come for you. And the, the problem is, we're, we're now like... the age of the people who get killed in those movies. So now it's anything, yeah. it's scarier now it's than it just was been, then. It's been like it following me. Like it's yeah. just like it's slowly been making its way. Oh my god, you guys! If I just mysteriously died in the bathroom, you know why? <laughs> it's so interesting that you said that because I was also introduced to Chucky at way too young of an age by my older cousins and I was terrified of him coming into the bathroom which is interesting because I don't know that there's any scene in any Chucky movie where he attacks someone in the bathroom but I took a shit with the door open for like a year convinced that Chucky was going to kill me when I was a kid it's so crazy I think it's weird that it's both the bathroom I don't know why but it's the most vulnerable but like you're very yeah. vulnerable it's you're very, yeah you're very very vulnerable <laughs> but yeah. I I was terrified of that so I I love I love this idea I do think it's uh amazing um that they've done this I'm gonna have to very much to like we did with uh too scary didn't watch see I'll have to have you tell me about it and then like uh because I do it does sound great but like I don't, I don't know if I can watch it um, fair, okay, fair. but to your whole thing, I was thinking a lot about my homework. It's I feel bad because it's like we're by the time this releases, we will be past Halloween. But I have to say, I got into the show Ghost on CBS oh. slash Paramount Plus. I, it's so one of my joys. It's so like it's like I don't know how to describe it, but it's just what do they call it? It's like uh. Comfort, guilty pleasure like it's like a comfort watch oh, okay um it's just like such a good wholesome sitcom and for those of you who don't know the premise is this woman inherits a a house like a family house or whatever her and her husband decide to open a bed and breakfast but the entire time there are ghosts who are on the property and it's all about like but it's any ghost who has died throughout time. So there's like an indigenous person who has literally just been on the land since forever. There's a Viking who was like there before. Like it's so like, it just goes through all of these time periods. And I will admit like at first I was very hesitant about a CBS show. I was like, am I this age where I'm watching CBS shows? Um, And it started off like a CBS show where I was like, ugh this feels like a little over the top but yeah by the end of the first episode i was like all right this is fun and then by the end of the first season i was like i need like 
12 seasons of this show. So great. Dope, dope, dope. All right. Well, I guess that's it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Thank you so much for joining us again. Yes. Lordy. Always great to be here. Anytime. Where can um, (laughs) people find you uh, other than Uh, your podcast? Right. Yeah. You can find me personally uh, at Lordifer on Instagram. Love it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening to us. Um, remember, you can find us on all the all the places where you listen to podcasts. I mean, if you're listening okay. to us now, I f- assume you figured it out. So just do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and tell your friends and family who obviously have probably forgotten about the sitcom that came out 25 years ago that we're back in it and we're having a great time and they should check it out. <laughs> do not watch this episode though. You can listen to this episode of us. Do not watch this episode of the show. Yeah, if any of, of of the episodes we've reviewed, this is the one I'm just like, just listen to the podcast. Just listen to us talk about it. Don't watch it. Absolutely. Okay, and uh, if you guys, please leave it. I will say, I don't know if you know this, but like you can leave a rating on Spotify. So uh, that, leave us please. a rating. Five, we prefer. But like, I mean, if you got feedback, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and reach out to us at Brummy World on TikTok uh on insta and uh, a whole other conversation i was gonna say twitter you guys oh my god what is going on with twitter <laughs> uh, yeah uh you know what we'll save that for another <laughs> pod but in the meantime uh, um you guys i think it's time for us to remember to dream to try this what? is what you say and do good. Oh, okay. Guys, it's been a while. Okay. It's, no, it's fine. It's been a it's fine. Here's the thing. We actually, we expect people to not know. And when they do know, we're like, oh my God. <laughs> so we'll try it again, okay? Okay. Remember to dream. To try. And to do, do. Uh, ah. And to do, do. <laughs> we gave you the line. We gave you the line. <laughs> you go to That's like, right, line. guys. Like, oh, dream, God. try, and take <laughs> and a high do, do. Do. Just do. like the show did with this episode. <laughs> All right. One more time for the road. Third time's the charm is what I say. Right. right. Remember to dream. To try. And to do good. Hey! hey. Later, bros. Later, bros. When the spawn meets world.